Well, good morning. You guys have a good Christmas? Well, I want to begin this morning by making a massive understatement. 2020 has been quite a year, huh? Let's consider for just a moment what we've witnessed in the past 12 months. We ushered in 2020 as a brush fire was burning in Australia, 47 million acres burnt. The deadly coronavirus first appeared on American soil later in that month. At the end of January, legendary NBA star Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and seven passengers were killed in a helicopter crash near Los Angeles. That's just the first month. And you get to March, and we were all told, shelter in place. The virus is serious, so shelter in place. Then we got to April, and then we had this massive stock market crash. You may not know that, but one day, a massive dip in the stock market with all the stuff going on. Maybe you didn't even know that that happened. And by the end of May, we were experiencing civil unrest around our country where there was violence and looting and destruction of entire portions of some of our major cities. We haven't even hit the halfway point of the year yet. Then let's consider students no longer in school struggling with depression. We have businesses closing. We have a controversial presidential election 330,000 deaths from the coronavirus. It was a heavy, heavy year. Some, in fact, would argue that 2020 has been the most difficult years, one of the most difficult years in the history of our country, and I'm guessing that most of us would not disagree with that statement. So as we wrap up the year, what are we to think about all of that? I mean, really, what what are we to do when we look around and we see all these negative things that we've experienced, all these negative things that we've heard about? What are believers supposed to do? I mean, we've all heard that tagline, right? Faith over fear. But what does that really mean for you and for me? I mean, when we see things changing so quickly... When we see our world moving and it seems like things are out of control, when we're talking about face masks and shutdowns and viruses and vaccines and you put all of it together, it can create a lot of anxiety, a lot of anxiety. So this morning, this morning what we are going to do is find some real life answers to some of those questions and to some of that anxiety that many of us are feeling as we wrap up 2020 and move into 2021. We're going to find it from the Word of God, but before we do, let's pray together. Gracious God, we do thank you for your Word, and that is where we will turn our hearts and our minds today to find hope. In the midst of a world that is chaotic, a lot of things happening, a lot of things spinning out of control and not going how we would design it, we can still find hope from your word. God, your word is true, it's truth. And it has what we need to walk in faith in our world today. So God, give us eyes to see this truth, give us ears to hear this truth, 
and then the courage that it is going to take to live out the truth of your word in the day, in the week, and in the year ahead of us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, church family, as I dig into today's sermon, I want you to know that we are going to be examining a portion of Scripture that is not the same biblical text that is being taught at all 14 campuses around Woodside. Instead, the message that I'm dealing with today is something that God has laid upon my heart for you, the White Lake family. I think it is imperative that you and I know this truth and are able to truly experience what we are digging into in God's Word today. So I want to begin by turning our attention to a very familiar passage. It's often quoted, something that many of us are familiar with, and maybe even we have turned to ourselves and our personal time with God uh, in this season of time. But it comes from Paul's letter to the believers in a place called Philippi. So if you have your Bibles, let me encourage you to turn uh, to uh, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. In our ESV Bible, you're going to find that on page 982 if you are reading along in your text. We're going to pick it up at verse 4. Philippians 4, verse 4. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul's epistle, his letter to the Philippians is considered by many to be a beautiful summary or foundation of what it means to live the Christian life. Philippians is that book that is rich in doctrinal statements. It is that book that kind of gives the character of what it means to live the Christian experience in our world today. But more than that, perhaps more than any of those, what sets atop the list when you're talking about the, the letter to the Philippians is joy. Joy. Now, right now you're thinking, hey, wait a second, Pastor. You went down that whole list of all the stuff that happened in our world, and now you're going to talk about joy? (laughs) We are. We are, so stay with me. As we read the words of the Apostle, It's always helpful for us to understand who it is that he's writing to and why and understand the context. And so the context that we find is a man writing to a group of believers. Now that man is writing to exhort them, to encourage them in their living as Christ followers. You say, I got that. What you may not know is that the apostle is actually writing from a prison cell. And as he pens this letter, what's also uh, important for us to know is he is an old man at this point, and he is literally up against probable execution. Clearly, Paul understands cultural conflict. 
clearly he has experienced it in his own life, and he writes to a group of believers on what it means to walk in faith and to live out their faith in tangible, practical ways. And that is why this text is so important for us today. It is so poignant and it is so applicable to our lives. So let's look a little more closely at the passage. Let's look at the first few verses. Pick it up at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone, for the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You see, Paul begins this segment with the powerful exhortation to do what? Rejoice. To rejoice. For the believer, that means we are to experience the joy of the Lord. That means you and I are to celebrate the fact that we know Him. We are to find our happiness and our peace in Him. And we are to treasure Him as our God. That's what it means for you and I to rejoice. And that's how Paul begins this portion of his, of his letter. He says, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. You see, Paul declares to the Philippians that because Jesus is at hand, because He is present in their lives, they don't need to be anxious. They don't need to be anxious. You see, the spiritual wisdom that comes from this man sitting in a prison cell is so significant for you and me today. He wants us to know that in spite of our circumstances, in spite of that list that I went down a few moments ago, we have the capacity as believers to rejoice, to find our joy in Jesus. Now, this is an important lesson for us, isn't it? As we wrap up 2020, turn the calendar, hope for a new start, hope for a new beginning, the reality is we have seen a lot. We've heard a lot. We've witnessed a lot. We have read a lot. We've seen a ton of stuff on the web, and yet believers can and should rejoice. Because the Lord Jesus is at hand. Now let me break this down from the text to your world. Is that where you find your heart today? I mean, really, is that where you find your heart today? I know we just celebrated Christmas. It was just a few days ago and you're back in church again. But is that where your heart is today? I know the right answer. I'm asking you, what is your answer? Can you rejoice in the midst of a difficult holiday season? Can you rejoice in the face of financial uncertainty? Can you rejoice today? You see, I ask that question because this is where our faith goes from the pages of Scripture into the fabric of our lives. 
It comes off the page and messes with our heart and our mind. Can you rejoice today because of the presence of Christ? He is the reason that we don't need to have anxiety about our circumstances. He is the reason. You see, it's because of the depth of our relationship with God through the Son, Jesus, that you and I can and should be encouraged today. Encouraged to bring our cares, our concerns, our anxieties before God in prayer. That's what we're called to do. And this means that believers, we don't need to fear and we don't need to stress. You see, when we get to that point and when we pray, what are we actually doing in that moment? When we face the thing that we just can't wrap our minds around, someone in our life is hurting and we want them to heal, we can't fix them. We know someone who is going through something that is completely messed up and completely broken, and I can't do anything about it to fix it. I don't like the way things are going. I don't like the direction. I have no control over that. So what I do in that moment is I come before my Heavenly Father and and we pray. We do that because we bring nothing to the equation. We pray because we are dependent upon God. We pray because He is the one who can do those things. He can heal. He can restore things that are broken. We pray because we're weak and He is strong. So in the face of anxiety, in the face of stress, in the face of uncertainty, Christ followers pray. We pray. Now, as I said, you're in church. It's Sunday morning. It's kind of what you'd expect a pastor to say, isn't it? Yep, pastor told me to pray. Got it. Let me be completely transparent about something. This is something that I tried to be disciplined in, perhaps more so this year than any other. During the spring and the summer months when many of us were hurting, I lived in the Psalms. Many of you will remember when we did our Facebook Live things in the the middle of the week on Wednesday nights, and many of you would tune in, and I would unpack a a psalm, or I I would read a psalm to us. Now, you might say, well, why the psalms? Because the psalms is actually a book of prayers and poems. And what I love about the psalms is they are raw, they are real, they're authentic about the stuff of life. You guys ever get to that point where you want to pray, but you don't have words? The the words, you're, you're just lost for words to say in your prayer. That's, in that moment, that's when you can turn to the Psalms. And that was something that I, I found myself doing over the course of the summer months. I would pray through a specific Psalm. Now, guys, I tell you that not because of my own holiness. I tell you that because my utter dependence upon God. My dependence upon Him. So prayer is both biblical and applicable to what you and I are walking in our lives today. 
But that does lead us to an obvious question, doesn't it? What actually happens when we bring our cares and our concerns and our anxiety and our stress and all that stuff? What happens when we come to our God in prayer? Let's return to our text and we're going to find some answers. Philippians 4 verse 7. It says, "...in the peace of God..." which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love this text. It is such an encouraging text because what it helps believers see is that there are three significant things that happen when we come to Him in prayer. When you face the trials of our world, when things are are hard, when Paul says to rejoice and you just have a hard time doing it, we find three promises of the peace of God in this text. And the first promise is supernatural. The peace of God is supernatural. Right there at the beginning of verse 7, it says we see that the, the peace of God surpasses our understanding. Something incredibly powerful and significant is happening, but it goes beyond what I can put into words. I know what I'm experiencing, sort of. I feel it. Something is happening, but I don't have a rational explanation for it. Supernaturally, God grants a peace that we can't fully comprehend, and yet we experience it. And I have to tell you, As a pastor, one of my great privileges is to walk alongside people who are hurting and are experiencing the loss of someone. And in those quiet moments of grief, I see this. When people should be overwhelmed by the significance of the moment, there is a peace that goes beyond comprehension. There can be a peace in the life of a believer when you you see them walk through some terrible experience and there is this supernatural peace that happens in the life of a believer and I want you to know it is absolutely beautiful to witness. There's no way to explain it, but it happens and it's real. Now for some of us, we're skeptical. (laughs) For those of you who might be skeptical of this, I want you to consider a few things. Love is hard to explain too, isn't it? But that doesn't mean it isn't real. You and I have convictions, and sometimes those are hard to explain. But we have them, don't we? It's difficult to explain peace in the midst of pain and grief and loss, and yet God grants it supernaturally. Church, this is how we have one of our classic hymns. In the 1800s, there was a Presbyterian layman named Horatio Spafford. Now, Spafford was a successful lawyer in Chicago, and he not only was successful in that, but he was also successful in investing. And so he had done some investing and was able to purchase a bunch of real estate along the lakeshore in Chicago until the Chicago fire wiped him out, wiped out everything. But what you also need to know is before that happened, he lost a son. 
and I haven't even got to the most difficult part yet. Two years after the fire, Spafford had planned a European trip, a European vacation for his family, his wife, four of his daughters. Something happened in his business or something happened where he needed to to stay behind and so he sent his wife and his four daughters off to Europe and he was going to follow a couple days later. Tragically, the ship that his family was on sank. His wife was the only survivor among his family. So Spafford left immediately to join his wife. And as he is on the ship, nearing the area where his daughters had passed away, Spafford wrote these words. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Church, that's supernatural. Now let's look at the second promise that we find from this portion of God's Word, Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And this gives us the second promise of the peace of God. The peace of God is faithful. It's faithful. You see, the apostle understands the hearts and the minds of Christ's followers. And so he tells them in Philippi, and he tells us today, that we're going we're gonna to experience the guarding of our heart. Because what happens sometimes is we allow our hearts and our minds to go in unhealthy directions, in ungodly ways. And the reality is when this happens, we become idle worshipers. Now, in our world today, this can come in many different shapes, many different forms. For some of us, it can be a political figure or a political platform that takes our heart and our mind away from the significance and the centrality of Jesus Christ and the gospel. Some of us have this misplaced hope or trust in that political candidate or that platform. For others of us, it can be financial stability. Our heart and our mind gets lulled into thinking that if we have this massive 401k, we're good. Some of us misplace our hope and our trust, and that becomes an idol, the idol of financial security. For others of us, it can even be a spiritual leader. Someone who professes to have all the truth and diminishes the movement of God in our world and through other people. Some of us place our trust inappropriately in that fallen human being instead of placing our trust upon a holy God. You see, our hearts turn towards idols, and that's why Paul reminds us that our dependence is upon God in prayer. And when we come to Him, He will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus because He is faithful. Now, as we close, let's look at the last portion of Philippians 4, verse 7. And the peace of God 
which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Church, this is where it all comes together. The worry, the trouble, the confusion, the stress, the fear. God invites us to bring all of those things to Him in prayer, and He gives us the third promise, and it is found only in Christ Jesus. Only in Christ Jesus. You see, our deep-rooted peace that you and I can experience is linked. It is connected with our salvation. And our salvation is found only in the saving work of Jesus, who is the Christ. Only through our repentance of sin and our belief in the gospel and in Jesus' work on the cross can anyone truly know and experience deep, abiding peace. It's a lasting peace. It's a peace that we can experience today and in eternity. This is why Pastor James Montgomery Boyce encourages all to pray. I love these words. He says, God invites us to place our earnest requests before Him. This is God's cure for anxiety. So church family, as you and I put a close on a stress-inducing, fear-causing, anxiety-filled year that is 2020. And as we turn the corner to 2021, let us rejoice in our God. And may we be a people who will faithfully come to God in prayer. And when we do, we will experience the peace of God in the God of peace. Amen.